Welcome to the first ever episode of the Fantasy Professors. Today's date is August 19th. I'm your host, Will Richardson, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Dylan McDonald. Fantasy Professors is a podcast that focuses mainly on fantasy football and kind of what's going on in the NFL world. If you want to check us out on Twitter, you can look at our handle, mcsports365. That's also the domain name for our website, www.mcsports365.com. If you want to go check that out, we have sweet articles that are up. Our rankings have just been posted for this year. And let's roll. Guys, here we go. Dylan, mind introducing yourself? All right. Uh, all right, guys. I'm uh, Dylan McDonald. I'm a senior here at SMU. Um, I, I'm a pre-medical student, in which, which I've completed the track, and I also study anatomy and physiology. So He's our injury guy. I'm the injury guy. So <laughs> if you can also plan to go to medical school uh, next fall. So I'm bringing the medical background to football. Um, yeah, with, with that, we're going to have a segment kind of start off normally with the injury report, kind of what happened throughout the week. We have a couple names that came up this preseason, some big names that Dylan's going to kind of specialize in and kind of talk to us about. First is John Brown. Right. So John Brown, you know, I mean, the Cardinals are up and coming, and he's their WR1. So Carson Palmer is going to be looking at this guy primarily first and foremost. But here's the problem. Here's the catch. Early in the uh, in, in uh, during practice, he suffered a relatively severe concussion in which he was put under the uh, NFL concussion protocol. In fact, one of the senior managers, Darren Urban, said that he is still not clear at this point. They're going to have to take it slow, and coaches state that he'll need to get back in shape when he returns. So I'm not saying that this is, you know, at any point where you need to stray away from drafting or considering John Brown to add to your team, but definitely something to look for, um, you know. And most people, if you suffer from something uh, known as post rather post concussion syndrome, um, symptoms can occur from you know seven to ten days, but they can last up to three months. So, so I'm not, go ahead. Go so ahead. I was just saying. So you think that maybe he'll miss week two and week three of preseason potentially? I think it would be smart for them to sit him based on the fact that he is still undergoing concussion protocol and has not cleared at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's preseason. You know, let's be honest. I don't think there's there's too much weight in uh, what John Brown can do. Yeah, but I do think it's important that he's out there for first-team reps with Larry Fitzgerald, Carson Palmer, and sure. uh, Michael Floyd. I think Michael Floyd definitely has an opportunity now to potentially grab that number one role from John Brown. Michael Floyd, I know, has been having a really great training camp. Do you think uh, Larry Fitz can stay healthy this year? You know, <laughs> is, that, is that an injury-prone wide receiver core? That, that is, I think, certainly an injury-prone uh, wide receiver. And, and, yeah, just the core in general. I think Floyd will, will have a great year. Um, you know, Larry, he, he's, he's the veteran. He's yeah. kind of there as a figurehead, you know, this moral support kind of guy. Granted, he can, you know, make incredible plays. But he, he's getting up there. He's 31, 32 years yeah. old. I mean, um, Had a couple injuries of his own. Had, oh, absolutely. Some hammies. Had some hammies. The, the soft tissue injuries uh, tend to roll his way, similar with Alshon Jeffrey with the Bears. Um, 
Okay, let's look at let's look at our next player. Yeah, yeah. Greg Olson, uh, Rivera came out today and said that his back spasms are not serious. That the MRI came back negative. That there's no structural damage to that, but. Yeah, and explain exactly, that in common terms. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, he had back spasms. It's it's really nothing to be too concerned for. They went ahead and got the MRI. Wanted to make sure there was nothing wrong structural, um, structurally, and and it came back like you said, completely negative. So that's fantastic. This is merely just muscle spasms um, in the lower back. More what, than likely. what causes that? Well, I mean, he's probably just overstimulating the muscles. Uh, you know, when you're when you're working so hard and straining your back down to the three point position like he is for a tight end. Um, it can be, you can cause lower back pain. Does that happen more often when you're older? I, I would say so, but here's the thing. Um, there's a great medication, Flexeril, muscle relaxer, perfect for the back. I mean, it, it, it would definitely, um, you know, just with some ice and those, he'd be okay within, uh, you know, the next couple of days. I, I expect him to be week to week, and we may see him um, in preseason as well. Yeah, okay. I think that's Cam Newton's real go-to guy. Kelvin Benjamin definitely has the potential to step in sure. to fill that role that I think Cam Newton was missing last year. But And lastly, uh, last player for the injury report, Ladarius Green. been a lot of stuff going around the news. So building up to this training camp, mm-hmm. Ladarius Green left the Chargers and joined the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Heath Miller retired. The Steelers kind of didn't have a, a true tight end for the past couple of years. Heath Miller was just kind of old; wasn't really a receiving threat mm-hmm. per se. The hype around Ladarius Green was that he could be the next big splash, I guess, for the tight end market in fantasy football. But there's been some some shady stuff going around. Yeah, so he's he's got a couple different things going on, unfortunately. Um, so Ladarius Green, I mean. He looked like he was going to be a great tight end. Like you said, could fill Heath Miller's shoes, can finally, um, you know, add a, another t- a true tight end threat. He's kind team. of explosive. Sure, sure, exactly. So this is kind of what he's got going on. Um, two different serious issues, in my opinion. He has a, um, you know, mid-grade ankle sprain, which he's working through, um, you know, just a lot of ice compression, running that running that through, um, through training camp. But he really hasn't had very, uh, he really had much progress during training camp. Um, during the three weeks they were there for training camp, he sat, um, I think, maybe two of those weeks, very getting little work. And the other big thing is he also has a concussion going on. They say they have not placed him under the NFL concussion protocol, so he's not you know, restricted to play. But staff still says that he is having persistent headaches during the day. Yeah, so I was reading that supposedly he didn't disclose this from... San Diego, like that's been going on for months so, now. So yeah, so he definitely. I mean, back to what I was saying with John Brown, certainly could be under that post-concussive syndrome, yeah. where he is suffering. I mean, you know, it's kind of out of the window at this point, but concussions they add up, you know. Yeah. And it sounds like he may have been taking, you know, one too many hits to the head. Yeah. So weighing those two injuries is the head definitely more concerning there. You know, if he can't walk, he can't play. You know, I think that's that's important. So it, the ankle is my priority at this time. You know, um, obviously they're they're severely watching those headaches and yeah. concussion. But I think, like I said, he is kind of out of the three month window as far as um, that true post concussive syndrome. But I think that um, it's it's certainly questionable for him to be ready at week one yeah. with both the ankle and concussion. Even if they're just kind of minor injuries at this point in time, they add up. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's concerning that it's been lingering for so long. Sure, sure. I, and that, that's a true concern of, you know, maybe inevitable CTE. Yeah. You know, that, Pers- personally, in my tight end rankings, I took him all the way off. I don't have him ranked right now. I'm not touching him. You know, I think I think that he's an interesting player. I think that um, – I think that you had mentioned earlier 
um, that Jesse James was a tight end you were looking yeah, at. I'm I'm kind of a fan of Jesse James. He's my one of my sleepers this year for the tight end position. I think he'll be able to fill that role kind of that Heath Miller left. Jesse James isn't exactly the most athletic tight end, mm. uh, but he, he's he'll be consistent, I think, with Big Ben. Sure, sure. And Big Ben with the cannon he has, I'm sure he can find uh, any tight end at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, going on to the main meat of today's episode, Dylan and I actually have our consensus running back rankings. Uh, we ranked our top 10 for you guys this episode. Maybe next episode we'll go through 11 through 20. We'll, we'll see, kind of play it by ear. But we actually we actually differed on our number one choice. I actually had Adrian Peterson. I'm an OU fan, so maybe a little little biased there. But explain to me why you why you have David Johnson as your consensus. You know what? One. I, I think David Johnson. He's first of all, I think it starts with the Cardinals. The Cardinals have maybe one of the best well rounded offenses and possibly defenses in the league. I think yeah. they're an excellent team. Their offense is scary. Their offense is very Especially scary. Especially John Brown can stay healthy. Yes, John Brown can stay healthy. So exactly, you have so many different threats on both sides of the ball. I mean, or, or you know, wide receiver wise, you know, with Larry and John Brown, and then the, your backfield is stacked with this new and upcoming guy, David Johnson. I think he. Um, it's really going to you know, solidify the, the RB1 position for the Cardinals. Yeah. And why I picked him over AP, you know, I think they're they're both um, excellent running backs. I just like that David Johnson's a little bit younger. Got some fresher legs under him. That's really the reason why. Are you, going off that though, are you concerned that he hasn't had a full season of being a true running back one under his belt? Do you think later on in the year he could kind of wear down? It, oh, that's definitely a concern. Um you know, he's kind of a, I would say, a high-risk, high-reward pick. Oh, definitely, you know? definitely. Agree. I think him and, and, you know, we'll get into Zeke a little bit, are definitely some of those high-risk, high-reward picks where you're trying to get into those um, younger running backs who look like they have some great potential, but on the stat sheet haven't showed that, you know, quite yet. Yeah. They haven't had the time in the league. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that David Johnson is probably the best receiving running back in the NFL. Normally, if you're a great receiving running back, you kind of struggle to hit the holes whenever it's like first or second down. It's kind of tough to stay on the field. But I think David Johnson is a true workhorse, Mm -hmm. which I think bodes well. He's my personally my number two ranked. So Dylan and I kind of differed on that. I had Peterson one, David Johnson two, and he had the opposite. So I guess – Talking about Peterson now, the reason why I have him above David Johnson is just because how consistent Adrian Peterson is. Mm-hmm. I think so, so often with the running back position, we see from year to year that running backs really kind of come out of nowhere sometimes. Devonta Freeman last year, like that's a prime example. Uh, I don't know if you're really in touch with the whole drafting world right now, but have you heard about the zero running back philosophy for drafting? As far as the first round? No, no, no. Like fantasy football, your whole draft, not drafting a running back through like the first seven or eight rounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the idea behind that is that running backs are so inconsistent from year to year, uh, whether that's injury or just usage rates. Like if you're going to take Lamar Miller or Arian Foster for the injury, I think uh, the wide receiver play based off stats is a much more consistent from year to year with your Antonio Browns, Julio Jones, sure, yeah. Odell Beckham's in that category now. Uh, even at the lower ends, though, Eric Decker, wide receiver two for his team, right? He was a wide receiver two in fantasy last year. I mean, I, I, you can't have enough depth, I think, at wide receiver. Okay. I know that having a strong running back is so tempting, but – it's also kind of a risk-reward in itself. Even if you're drafting someone like Peterson, someone like 
I don't know, Todd Gurley, mm. some big-name guy. He, I think running backs are way more prone to season-ending injuries, whether that's torn ACLs, Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles. I think it happens a lot more just because mm. of the kind of the role they have to play. Anyways, that's why I have Peterson above Johnson. Our consensus number three is Lamar Miller. Kind of a surprising pick, I think, that he ended up this high. Joined a new team this year with the Houston Texans, left the Miami Dolphins. Him and Arian Foster actually flip-flop teams. Yeah. Kind of odd, but uh, why, why are you so big on Miller this year? You know, I mean, first of all, I think that he was great with Miami last year. I think that, I mean, he didn't really have too much to work with with Miami, so he's kind of a... He didn't get the ball enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think they gave him enough touches, really, but... You know, I think the guy, he still managed to squeeze out some fantastic fantasy points and games last year. So, yeah. Um, I think moving, you know, some guys, you know, this could just be theoretical, but I do think that some guys just maybe need a change of pace. A different yep. staff, a different team, you know. I think you see that in baseball. They may, yeah, in any sport, yeah. really, you know, just a trade. Even in EPL, when you make an international trade, things like that. Just Some people need a new change of pace, and, and some people ha- uh, handle feedback differently, yeah. you know. And so I think that this guy is going to really, I mean, I think that he's a perfect consensus number three for us. I think yeah. he's going to be a fantastic guy. What do you think? I, I'm, he's on my team. I love him. <laughs> I think he's, he's going to be great. Uh, his usage rate in Miami was so low. I think the reason behind that was they were really trying to get Ryan Tannehill going. There's been hype year to year. This is Ryan Tannehill's mm-hmm. year. He's about to take off. Right. And every year it's just a flop. Uh, and I think Lamar Miller kind of got tired of that. He, he's, I think personally, he's one of the most fluid runners in the league, which is kind of ironic too that he's now filling Aaron Foster's shoes because right. I think Foster is the exact same type of runner, right. just real, the same person. real, yeah. real fluid yeah. uh, zone running scheme type styles. I, I do think Lamar Miller is going to have almost 300 carries this year, if not more. I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. So going on from that, number four, we have Ezekiel Elliott. The old rookie out of Ohio State going to join Jerry Jones' squad. <laughs> but I personally, I'm big on him just because of the amount of times the Cowboys are going to run the ball this year. I don't think McFadden is really carved out a role that he intended to at first. They tried to use him every down last year, and it just doesn't work. He's not he's not the runner that he used to be. I mean, coming out of coming out of coming out of Arkansas, he was one of the fastest running backs sure. in the league. Sure. Now he's older, you know. Father time kind of catches up eventually. He's is very injury prone. Yes, and I think Ezekiel Elliott is a better receiving back than he is. Oh, I would definitely agree. I mean, I honestly think Zeke beats him. He's a better running back in almost every aspect. I think that I mean, although McFadden might have you know just some of the maybe a little more brute strength. I think Zeke is going to fit this act, uh, this offense perfectly. I mean, he has an all-star line that's going to hopefully carry him the way. I mean, yeah. even saw McFadden look great last year. You know, if anyone can make, look, make McFadden look good now, I yeah. think that Zeke's going to look fantastic. That's that's the thing that gets me too is the Cowboys O line is just filthy, filthy. filthy. <laughs> yes, I mean all Pro Bowlers. If yeah, I could put them all in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I mean, also, one thing that is. Uh, I think understated from last year is Tony Romo wasn't there. So they could just stack the box against the Cowboys. And McFadden was still successful under that. Yeah. Now that Romo's back, I think having a true workhorse running back behind him will be able to just hand it off to him 
20 times a game, which will in turn keep Romo healthy. Right. It's kind of a mutual benefit relationship, whatever that's called, sure, mutualism. Sure. Yeah, well, I, I, the thing is, I mean, I, just, I just lost my parents. Oh, you're good. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the only the only problem with the only problem with Zeke is uh, he kind of he pulled his hammy during uh, training camp. First couple weeks of training camp, Jerry Jones claims he's not worried at all. He's practicing again. He was supposed to play in the second preseason game, but they just don't want him to play. Uh, I, honestly, I don't want him to play except for in the third game. No, oh, I, I completely agree. And I mean, I would like to see him a little bit in the preseason, of course, being a Cowboys fan. But um, <laughs> you know, the, the strength, the hamstring, hand, hand is literally nothing to worry about. As as Jerry said, it's literally just a young guy wanting to show these veterans, yeah. guys, hey, I can work hard. A little hype. And he's working as hard as he can in training camp, and you know. Every once in a while, he can come up a little tight on his handy. I don't think it's anything to worry about. I, don't, I would not say he's injury prone. That's not really in his track history. So um, I'm super excited. This yeah, game. me too. Number five on our consensus list, Todd Gurley for the now Los Angeles Rams. Not yes, the St. Louis yes. Rams. Todd Gurley is an interesting guy. He is probably, by athletic ability, the best running back in the league right now. Oh, but... Fantasy-wise, I don't think he is going to be as good as last year because I think the Los Angeles Rams offense actually took a step back, if that's possible. With the with the drafting of the quarterback, drafting of the okay. quarterback, I I don't Goff. like I don't like Goff personally. I I don't see how uh, not really even having a successful college team can translate into the NFL whenever you're supposed to because right now they're actually not throwing him into the fire, which is good. I'll give him that. They're not going to start him as planned right now. Right now, their starter is Case Keenum. Right. Big, <laughs> big, big boy. Big boy Case. <laughs> Houston rep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I first of all, just open it up with this. Have you seen the uh, first couple episodes of that HBO show, Hard No, I have not. I wish I could. It's definitely a show that, that's worth watching. Um, I... You know, just after watching the show, you know, it just shows kind of like a little glimpse of their training camp. Not too, too much revealing about the team and what their fantasy life's going to be like. But uh, this guy's athletic. I mean, like you said, he is an absurd athlete. I mean, when you see him, when you see him on the field and and, in the show, he looks just like a kind of like, you know, skinny wide receiver. He doesn't, you know, he's not super bulky or anything like that. And then you see him run and he just whips through the line. I mean, he just immediately into the, into the secondary this guy is quick, man. He's going to be. A, I think he's going to be a fantastic back. I didn't I initially. I didn't believe into the hype coming in this draft, but um, I really think that he brings something that a lot of running backs don't. And he just has this excellent speed and elusiveness about him. I mean, number two in fantasy last year, yeah. missed week seventeen with a turf toe. What do you? You know what I mean? Come on, he, he was a game down. Are you still, Are you worried about his knee from college torn ACL? You know, it's it's obviously something to consider. Yeah. Um, Nowadays, does that know, matter though? Adrian Peterson, maybe yeah, on Bell. That's, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, I think that first of all, it matters how the ACL is repaired. But pushing that aside, I think a um, repaired ACL can work just as well as you know your your eyes ACL yeah. if done properly. And these guys have the top medical care in the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to put you on the spot, but what's is the re-injury rate? Is it high? For, for like same ACL. Carry, yeah, same ACL, or is it very low? I, I really have no idea. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the exact percentage yeah, yeah. of re-injury, but it's certainly what what I can tell you is that it's certainly higher 
than if you or I were, because we have fresh ACLs, you know what I yeah. mean? We have never had a repair. Okay? So, so I guess what I'm trying to ask is, I don't know why I didn't phrase it like this the first time. What are, is it more likely for him to re-tear the same ACL or tear the tear other the or tear the other ACL? Well, there are, there are it's very circumstantial, <laughs> very circumstantial. Okay. Because it also you know depends on what type of runner he is. You know, he's going to plant certain foot different. You know, what I mean? that's true. Early. That's true. And he's you know, it, so it does matter. But to give you a, a simple answer, I would say that the repaired ACL would have a greater chance to tear than the non-repaired. All right. That's fair. Speaking of torn ACLs, Le'Veon Bell is our number six. Interesting. Suspended for the first four games. Uh, if he wasn't suspended, I doubt that he would have fallen out of our top two because he is scary for that Steelers offense. Yes, absolutely. I personally believe that when he comes back, that's when uh, – Pittsburgh will need him the most. I think they're going to struggle through these first couple games. Antonio Brown is a beast of himself, but they also don't have Martavis Bryant. Their offense definitely is lacking some weapons, especially if Ladarius Green can't get there. But uh, once Bell gets back with the team, I think they're just going to feed him the ball. Oh, and they should. They yeah. should. You know, I uh, I had Le'Veon last year. I actually made a, a big kind of groundbreaking trade with another colleague of mine. Um, and I thought I had a great trade. I actually gave up um, Mark Ingram and who else was it? Oh, Brandon Marshall for Lavian and Buddy White. Ouch. And uh, basically all just for Lavian and the next next game for his ACL. So, you know, we have him ranked at six. It's funny that it has 666 across here because that's the number of the beast. It's the number of the beast, man. So, you know, although he kind of screwed me a little bit, I think, like you said, he's just going to you know, blow open the league this year. Yeah. Um, definitely would consider him a, you know, we have him six here, but thinking about it fantasy-wise at the end of, end of the season, I would not be surprised to see him in the top three top three fantasy points. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, I completely agree. I just was more playing towards his floor than his ceiling right now just because I don't really know what it's going to be like when he returns. Absolutely. Number seven, we have Jamal Charles for the Kansas City Chiefs. Always a pretty safe pick. When it comes to fantasy for production levels, the only problem with him is that he kind of is injury prone as well. But good news out of the Chiefs camp is that he's already been taken off the pup list, which is a great sign, which Very means good. he can play in potentially week one. I I don't know if he'll play week one. I do believe he'll be back by week two, though. Jamal Charles is a f- filthy runner, but he is also underrated out of the backfield Uh Receiving wise, that's why I personally have him seven. You have him eight. You actually have Mark Ingram in front of him, but we're going to get into Mark Ingram later. What are your thoughts on Jamal Charles? Jamal Charles, do you think there's any chance that Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West bite into his carries this year? I mean, I would definitely say so. It'd be you know, it's it's the Chiefs uh, administration are definitely in a, tr- a tough situation, you know, yeah. because. You really didn't have him at all last year, just to be frank. Yeah. And you got a lot of carries to West and uh, what was the other one? What was the other one? Spencer Ware. And Spencer Ware, of course. So you got you know a bunch of these carries on Ware and Spencer and oh gosh, Ware and West. And <laughs> and it's not going to be you know investments for the team to put Charles taking those again. You know it's it's probably an easy investment for them to make based on his track history and how great yeah. running back he is, but. He is different in my eyes than Le'Veon Bell. They both had a similar injury last year. 
But I, I feel like, you know, his recovery may have not gone as smoothly. I feel like he's maybe, is he, he's an older guy than like, yeah, you know, right? definitely yeah. older. Definitely Does older it also me. have to do with the type of style they have? Whereas Jamal Charles is just kind of a juke and jive sprint up field, mm-hmm. whereas Le'Veon Bell's kind of more, more power, yeah, yeah, more power running back. I think that I do think that they run the way that their offense needs them to run. I yeah. think that the Chiefs, I mean, they've always looked great with him just juking and jiving. I, I was just offense. asking from an injury perspective. Oh, well, definitely, yeah. That ACL would be a much greater threat for, you know, hard juke or something like yeah. that for yeah. him compared to going through a guy. Yes, that he would be significantly more prone. That's kind of going back to his mechanism and, you know, the circumstance that he runs, what he plans on. He would be planning and, you know, trying to make that move a lot more, you know, quicker and you know, that elusiveness that he has. Yeah, for sure. So our eight and nine, we're going to gloss over because we're going to talk about them later. Our number eight consensus is Mark Ingram, and number nine is Devonta Freeman. Both kind of shady picks there. We, we differ a lot in where we have them ranked. Uh, but lastly, number 10, we have Doug Martin. Signed a big contract this offseason. Kind of worries me, actually. Worries me a bit, too. <laughs> um, you know, this guy, I feel like Mark, uh, Doug Martin is kind of a guy, maybe just for me, but he kind of goes under the radar. Uh, a lot Definitely. of off seasons. Okay, you think so as well? I mean, Definitely. obviously this season he's a little bit more highlighted because of, you know, getting that uh, that contract, but... He had a great year last year. He Fantastic year. I think it's great, uh, too, to have Jameis Winston alongside him. Someone who Jameis has kind of been able to feed off of. Because, obviously, he's been thrown into the fire in Tampa Bay. Uh, whether you're the first pick or second pick or the seventh round pick, starting your first NFL season, the whole entire NFL season, is not easy. Uh, having someone to feed the ball in Doug Martin, I think is very important. And I, I do think that that's where Doug Martin gets a lot of his value from. Jameis Winston is great at uh, finding his running backs for dump off passes, whether that's mm. Martin or Charles Sims. Charles Sims has great value just because of that alone, sure, sure. especially in a PPR league. But and Winston, he, you know, he can roll out, roll out of pocket and, you know, if he's dumping off quickly or something like that. Yeah. Right yeah. They have a, right they have a very running back receiving friendly offense the way they have, their, their schemes and uh, I will say there is kind of one consensus issue with Doug Martin in particular, and this is kind of something that's common across really the, the majority of uh, running backs. If they have this, you know, if they have this issue with turnovers in particular, yeah, he Jeez. is fumble prone. You Dude, know, yeah. he needs to hold on to the ball. He killed me a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I remember a couple years ago when he got like a forty point game, and then the next week or something, he, you know, fumbled it a couple of times. You know, he's just, there are some inconsistencies with this guy, and that's kind of why I feel like we both put him in this RB, you know, in the 10 range. Yeah, probably. like borderline RB1, RB2. Yeah, yeah, I do think, now, that's that's really just looking pretty, you know, uh, intricately at his downside. I do think that he is, you know, for a fancy team, a strong RB1 pick. Yeah, I do think. that's fair. All right, so that's our 1 through 10 right there. Our last segment that we have for you guys is called Fact or Fiction. Kind of the idea behind this is we're going to find a player on ESPN's standard projection website and kind of talk through if we think they're going to meet their projection or not. So if they meet it, we're going to say fact. We think they can do it this year or fiction that there's no way they're reaching that. So the reason why we glossed over Mark Ingram and Devonta Freeman is because we're actually going to do the fact of fiction on them today. Uh, Mark Ingram is who we'll start with. 
Right now, ESPN has him projected at 235 attempts, rushing attempts, for just under 1,000 yards, averaging about 4.2 yards per carry. Whereas last year, he uh, he averaged around 4.6 yards a carry. But that was only through 12 games. Do you, do you think he's able to meet kind of the... Uh, so right now they have him almost 70 rushes higher. Do you think he can carry that workload, 70 more attempts, He's so injury prone. He is. I mean, that's definitely something concerning with him. He's still a relatively young guy. Um, I think that he is a excellent runner. I mean, he can do a lot of the different things that you're looking for in a running back. Great receiving back. Highly yes. underrated. Yes, yes. And and I'll be honest, I'm a little biased towards this guy. I think that's why I had him ranked a little bit higher than you did in the in the top ten rankings. Okay. Because I did draft him for the past two seasons. I do, I do think there is something great about this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, outside of just his running game, like you mentioned, his passing, or, you know, the passing game with him, just the short drop-off passes or even a screen, that is their bread and butter. So that's how Drew guy. Brees makes a living. That is how Drew Brees, three-five <laughs> touch. I mean, he just, he's fantastic, and that, and that is the, you know, the plays they're running with this guy. And I think that he is an excellent goal line threat as well yep. using that passing game. Yep. So, you know, they have him projected with nine touchdowns, six touchdowns last year. You know, nine on the ground. Oh, yeah. nine on the ground. What is, oh, so two. So they haven't projected two receiving two touchdowns. Okay, two Whereas he only, yeah. I, I think that's he can easily meet that projection. I would say I'm going to say fact first off. Fact. Okay. Fact. Okay. I think he meets this projection. Okay. I am higher than most people on Mark Ingram, but you just happen to be even higher than me. <laughs> so it's not that really big of an issue. <laughs> sure. We're kind of agreeing in in a way, but I do think that Mark Ingram is able to stay healthy this year. He's a guy I'd be very much willing to take a risk on especially when you can get him in the late second, early third round. I think he potentially has the basically the offense around him to be a top five running back this year in fantasy. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's exactly right. With the offense, with the passing game and his running ability, yes. the dude's going to score touchdowns. You know, yeah. He's going to score touchdowns when it's through the air or on the ground. So I think definitely fact for him uh, with those projections. All right, and our last one for this episode, Devonta Freeman. The number one back from last year. <laughs> we had him ranked number eight. What what what, what are we thinking? Are we well, are, are we are we vowed in having him at eight, or should he be in our top five? You know, I think last year think? was a fluke. Not not okay, not fluke per se. I I do think that the amount of touchdowns he scored was kind of fluky. He had eleven on the ground, which is absurd. I think Tevin Coleman is going to very much bite into that this year. Oh yeah. Not not as much as kind of a six or a fifty five forty five split, but I do like percentage of carries. But I do think that Tevin Coleman is going to get plays and usage on third downs, especially. Uh, Devonta Freeman had around six hundred receiving yards last year for three touchdowns, and I don't think that he touches that this year. I th- I'd be surprised if he has over 400 receiving yards. Touchdown-wise, sure, he can maybe get two. Uh, that's what they have him projected at right now. He's always – there's always a chance he hits a home run, you know. Sure. And you know what? I, with these projections, I honestly do think this is fiction as well. Um, the, the running aspect with, with uh, 232 carries, 926 yards, four touchdowns – or, sorry, seven touchdowns. I think that's actually going to be pretty close. I would say maybe somewhere closer to, you know, 900 yards, maybe, you know, five or six touchdowns, maybe a little bit lower than that. Yeah. Where I really think it's fiction is the receiving yards. Yeah, I okay? agree. And just to agree with you, I mean, Tevin Coleman, I do think that uh, the Falcons are going to incorporate him as kind of that receiving back for them and run a lot of packages with that, um, with him incorporated. And 
you know, with him getting, gosh, 578 receiving yards last year, I mean, I mean, definitely uh, Coleman's going to cut in from that. And, you know, a good chunk of, or I don't know if it was a good chunk, but at least, I would say, several weeks, um, Coleman was out with that rib injury. Yeah. So, you know, that's where he kind of absorbed even more rushing yards with that. Yep. So, it's definitely going to be less. Yeah, and uh, last thing we'll say about him, his offense, I think, is going to be a little different this year. They brought in Mohamed Sanu, who I actually really like. I think that Matt Ryan's really going to be able to air the ball out more. Austin Hooper, tight end they drafted. Uh, I believe he played at Stanford. Pretty sure that's right, yeah. Stanford. We'll, we'll go with Stanford. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that he is one of the most athletically gifted tight ends in the league now that he is in the league. But uh, look for the offense to look a little different this year, not so much feeding him the ball as last year. Mm. I'd also be worried about potential injury just because he was used so much last year. You look at DeMarco Murray, right. that kind of situation. He's a little guy, too. Yep. Minutes. All right. Well, that's our first episode of the Fantasy Professors. Uh, we hope to be uploading this around once or twice a week. Uh, check back on mcsports365.com to read our articles about our rankings we just released uh, today, August 19th. Uh, but yeah, see you guys next time.